Perhaps you will consider this. A child raised to accept daily communion with a shadow that slips between worlds, showing her a strange and ancient life in fragments. Gilberto, you're always asking me to record crazy stuff for your weird sound collages, and I have a feeling you get a lot from this tape. Don't get mad. I decided to follow this guy. I think he's headed for trouble, but he's going to find out some things that I need to know as well. I don't have time to explain it right now, but I promise I'll fill you in on the next tape. Let's just say something happened that changed both of us. I would never imagine I'd be connected to a guy like this in any way. For one thing, he's really old, like 40 or something. He looks like a biker, but he's got a radio show. You ever heard of Jerry Rivers? He was a wrestler or something. Well, now he's doing investigative reporting for his own show. He said it's syndicated. Maybe you can find it. He's not a bad guy, just edgy and weird. Anyway. I guess he's my boss now, and he's off investigating this story and told me to stay home. But I think someone should be there to witness in case he runs into trouble. I'll stay back and observe, I promise. Alright? Let me get through these woods, and I'll pop back on. tree and drop down on the other side of an electrical fence. Rip my favorite jeans. Damn it. Well, I'm here at Alex Camby's property, where I figured he was coming. And yeah, that Alex Camby. The game show host? Remember he freaked out on TV that time? Jerry thinks there's more to the story, and he's been staking out his house for a while. There's some kind of weird blue stuff being pumped into his pond, and it's coming from his house. But that's not the strangest thing. There's Jerry. He's going inside with some man. Damn. He told me they were tailing him. I guess he wants to confront the guy. Pretty hardcore. There are still a few guys outside keeping watch. I'll have to wait. This is Walter Stedding. Welcome to Abin Paranormal. Today we've got a report from Deadwater Lake where geologist and frequent contributor to the show, Connor Darcy and I went to look for Amanda Walston yesterday. Connor is here with me today live to discuss our next steps. But first, here's the tape. 
we're approaching Willow Island. Our goal here today is to find another point of entry, hopefully dodging the perimeter of rocks entirely, and to find Amanda. Okay, I see the perimeter. I'm not seeing a space wide enough to get through. We'll have to go further over. We went most of the way around the northern side of the island. Eventually, we thought we saw a way in. Pull a little to your left. Good. Keep us straight now. Let's hope this works. A man has got to be here somewhere. Steady. Look, off to the right. Damn it. Here he comes. Reverse! The rocks seem to know why we're here. It's uncanny. We got out of there just in time. I'm live in the studio with Connor Darcy. Connor? We must have crossed the lake to Willow Island three or four times without any interference from those rocks. And yet now, they block our way every time. What do you make of that? Well, I hesitate to assign intent to a bunch of rocks in the water, but actually, it wouldn't be odd given what I saw in Mudscoggin. There isn't much I've witnessed regarding these rocks that falls within the realm of known phenomena. So where does that leave us? What are our choices? I think the next step is to use some sort of sound dampening to reduce the psychological effects from the sonic disturbance those things create. I've been working on it, and I think I can have it ready tomorrow for another try. I want to play some messages we've received from our listeners. Judging from your calls, you're just as concerned as we are about Amanda's well-being. I hope she can listen to these messages with us soon, and we can put all this behind us. This is Sandra Witherspoon from St. Johnsbury. Amanda, I want you to know we're worried about you. If you can hear this, please come on back. Don't try to do this on your own. Hey, this is Armando Balducci from Concord. I wanted to say I I think Amanda should come back to the station. You guys need her, and so do we. (laughs) Hi, Amanda. It's Phyllis Garfield from Waterville, Mass. You got a bunch of listeners over here in the Bay State. We all hope you're okay. I want to hear your voice on Evan Paranormal. Hi, Amanda. It's Amelia from the office. I just can't bear to have you away so long. We're worried, and Betty and Vicky, you know, my turtles. I just. Where are you? My anchor, there is still so much to show you. One night, 
I drifted among the bunks where the sailors lay almost motionless for hours, as all humans do. I had learned by watching the doctor that humans collect many of these bound objects they call books. Not all of those on board this vessel were able to make the markings in books that set down their thoughts. This one did it frequently. We pulled hard on the oars to return to the ship while the captain looked out at the sea. I don't know what was in his mind, but it must have been our near-death experience in the storm. I had come to find one human to whom I would entrust my own words and images. For the Gathrona, there is an organ that works as an imaging center. It stores the impressions we have received from our sensory apparatus in every moment. When we were finally back on board, we gathered on the deck to say goodbye to Verera. That poor soul was lost overboard as he tried to rescue Marbury, who wept grievously as he himself gave the dedication. From this point, we did not see the captain on deck for several days. We are able to freely share these impressions with each other. It is the source of our learning. As I anchored, I began looking for a way into his imaging center. I had a feeling this might be a confusing experience for a human and could cause harm in some unforeseen way. Greaves took advantage of the situation to settle more scores with those he suspected were against him, of which there were many. I had never seen a mutiny, and I hoped it would not come to that on board the Barrington. The calm, deliberate manner of this one individual gave me the feeling that he might be more receptive. I had seen enough of men killing other men in my country. It is this desire to shed blood that is the enemy we should all be fighting. As I found the door to his thoughts and began sharing my impressions, he stopped recounting his story and sat straight up in his bunk. He was transfixed, his eyes opened wide, I was afraid I had broken something in him. At the time, I did not know how to control the flow of images passing into him. It seems to have been a shock. Certain impressions, I can't exactly know which, seemed to send a jolt through his body momentarily. He soon settled and I had the feeling he was adapting to the new experience. Distracted as I was, I didn't notice the mate resting nearby, 
who must have been awakened by his speaking out loud so suddenly. Danielle, are you okay? Do you see that? Do you see it? The blue fog all around us. Danielle! It's there, above you! The creature! Stop your bellowing, man! What's he on about? It was the one who could see us. He had been just below the whole time, and I hadn't noticed. I was still anchored with this one he called Danielle, and in the midst of sharing my store of images and impressions. But I had to flee back through the mantling. The next time you have a bad dream, sailor, you do it quietly. You might find yourself swimming back to shore. <laughs> it, it was there! The creature! I believe Danielle received a good deal of my memories, but I couldn't be sure how he felt about them. I would have to try again. Another time. Thomas! Why were you shouting? I saw it again! I saw it! We should go topside to talk. Come. I could see it more clearly tonight. The demon was... it was attached to you. There was a sort of tube that came out of its underside. Thomas, I too saw very strange things before you woke me. We must not let the others hear. If Gweaves found out... Yes, I, I know, I know. You think us mad and throw us in the brig. But I needed to warn you. I believe you, and I myself saw things in my mind's eye. Things that I felt very strongly as well. Pictures, memories. But they were things I had never seen, Thomas. They were things I could not ever have seen. What pictures? Tell me. I was in a dark, wet place. I moved amongst massive flowering plants, shooting up through the surface of a thick mire, like a swamp filled with things I had never seen. Is it possible these things exist somewhere? How do I know of them? And a moment later, I was below the sea, in the depths, alongside a huge humpback whale. But I could hear it, not its song, but its thoughts. Is this the work of some demon? My family are devout, but I was raised to be a free thinker above all else. I do not follow the church, yet I am unable to explain these things I see. Well, see, me too. It was as if they were the memories of some other, but so real. I cannot dismiss this as a dream. This is no dream. Of that I am certain.
you're listening to Season 2, Episode 10 of Under Dead Water. Our cast this week was Stephanie Booker, Matthew Bird, Clayton Romero, Mike Hall, Bonnie Bogovich, Aaron Lillis, Manuel Elpinor, Brandon Duke, and David Steele. Additional voiceover by Stephanie Hoffaker and Matthew Robertson. Music is by Glomag. Sound design is by Clayton Romero and Chris Burke. We'd like to take this moment to ask that you please consider supporting the show on Patreon. For as little as $1 per episode, you'll be eligible for some cool rewards. Go to patreon.com slash mandiblejudy for details and help us keep the story going. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and the show is available on iTunes and all major streaming platforms. See you in two weeks. <laughs>